Before I leave today, because uh, I'm, I'm brushing up on case law for tomorrow, I'm just giving myself a refresher in case I sometimes this helps me spark some thoughts into things. And, and, and what happened was a thought was sparked. So what happened in this thought? Well, I'm reading about permissible questions on motor vehicle stop. And we, we go back to this case in Oregon where everybody's like, oh, you can't ask questions on traffic stops. No, the, 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 the answer is, yes, you can. You just have to answer, uh, ask, uh, ask them correctly. And and. To be quite honest with you, developing this skill of how to, let me just try to switch this around with you, there you go, uh, of being able to develop reasonable suspicion rather quickly is a skill you need to begin to try to work on. So we gave you the RAS checklist. If you can't find it, go in the group and use the search function. If you're on a mobile device, right at the top, you just put your, in your bar, RAS checklist or checklist or search checklist. It's in here and uh, I'll update it soon enough. Uh, probably probably in the next week or so with just a few more things that uh, I've come across and I've developed from teaching things that spark my memory. And I'll probably pose our, our group of instructors like, hey, you guys have anything else to add to this? Um, if you have anything else to add to the RAS checklist, send me a message. We'll add it in. Right. It's a collective effort of everybody here at Street Top Training because we are taking people who have experience and saying to the new people who are looking to learn that experience from us, hey, we'll help you. That's what our obligation is as these more senior patrol officers. You know, I'm not saying I've been on the job for 91 years, but I've been around for almost 20 now. So, and, and that's what I do. I study the craft and I read case law and I try to merge and bridge the gap between the two so you can be effective and it shows up in court and what you did will justify your actions. So the best interdiction people, the best people in general, the best cops in general can develop reasonable suspicion very swiftly. Um, so don't forget, reasonable suspicion is the one thing that they'll be challenging in court. That's the one thing where people get confused. And all these cases like Rodriguez, people say, well, what's Rodriguez says you can't use a dog. No, no. Rodriguez says you couldn't prolong the stop without reasonable suspicion to run a dog. Illinois v. Cabayas uh, said you could run a dog without any reasonable suspicion. Now, you got to check your states on that rule. But every state follows Rodriguez, where as long as you develop enough reasonable suspicion to develop the fact that you may be in the presence or you're suspicious on specific and articulable facts that you are in the presence of criminal activity. This traffic stop has gone from a motor vehicle violation, which is the reason for your stop, because you have to have a reasonable suspicion to make a traffic stop, right? Either be a uh, misdemeanor, uh, a felony, or a motor vehicle offense to make a traffic stop. You would need that for the traffic stop. And then you're allowed to investigate the purpose of the traffic stop. But in the same time, you have that time, if you could make it in between that whatever amount of time the scope is based on the purpose of the stop to develop some more reasonable suspicion to confirm and dispel your suspicions from activity you can then extend that stop right we know that that can go on uh, in new jersey per se for uh, up to two hours and sometimes even permitted beyond that in many states they the same, say the same thing uh sometimes in case law we haven't seen what the limits are what they said was permissible because it hasn't been tested yet don't forget case law is born when something occurs and it goes beyond a superior court level or county court level to an appellate division. And even sometimes the appellate division, the things that they say may not be binding in nature uh, until it makes it to the Supreme Court, the United States Supreme Court. And generally, don't forget your U.S. district courts and your U.S. district courts of appeals, unless it really has to do with a, a situation arising out of a state issue, they're not going to apply to state police officers. You can be persuasive with those. Right. What does that mean? They'll look at that and try to give you advice on it. They can give you they could it could be persuasive, but it doesn't mean it's actually things you have to follow. Uh, you have to follow what your state courts say. So we see it um, in the tenth district, tenth uh, circuit court, um, in the tenth district of the United States circuit courts, 
where Anchando talks about a, a canine sniff, right? And then you could search passengers after canine. I said, no, not every state has followed that in the 10th Circuit. We see in Kansas that they don't, they don't permit that. Just because they're in the 10th Circuit doesn't mean they have to follow what the circuit court says. And I'm refreshing people's memories from previous videos that I've done. But the ability of some of these people who are talented at developing reasonable suspicion very quickly and be able to document that, right? A lot of our, we're, we're blessed enough to have 55,000 plus members at this point now. And a lot of them are very talented and do share what they've learned with everybody in this group. And what does that mean? Um, it means that when, don't forget, reasonable suspicion begins at the moment that a driver cites a law enforcement officer or somebody cites a law enforcement officer and begins to have abnormal reactions to their presence. And that's, that's when that checklist has to come out. You start documenting what you're noticing. And then even as that progresses on, every second of that, that interaction from when the police officer pulls out and starts to follow that car to the traffic stop to when how they stop and what's going on inside the car and being perceptive and being able to document and checklist those things, then walking up on that car and what do you see visually, what do you smell, what do you hear, using your five senses to notice things that are abnormal that would lead you, lead you through your training and experience to know that this is something different than a regular traffic stop. Don't forget, a regular traffic stop are those traffic stops where you throw radar on and make bullshit stops all day, right? 14 over, really got them. This is when you, and look, if you want to know what regular traffic stops are, probably most of your traffic stops you made in your career were regular traffic stops. Most people don't have developed the skill to go out and be able to 90% of the cars they stop have crime afoot. You know, usually when you start with this, maybe one every five to seven cars, maybe one every 10 cars. And if you get your skill better, you'll start to see like one out of every three cars you stop, one out of every two. And, you know, it's a real, and then get to that level, that Kenny Williams level of 90% or better. Um, you know, that that's a skill that took, you know, that guy's been on the job 13, 14 years, took a lot of, a lot of skill, a lot of practice to get to that level. Uh, we're trying to share you, share the secrets with you of, of what he knows, right? So, but when he walks up on a car, anybody who's good at this, they are scanning the car looking for things. And we try to post pictures of what you're seeing inside the car and how you can attest that that being indicative of reasonable suspicion of criminal activity. You've seen this on seven other stops. You've seen this on the videos you watched, um, why they're so nervous. They don't know their itinerary. And again, go through that checklist. And you'd be surprised how fastly and how swiftly you can develop enough reasonable suspicion to now detain the person beyond the initial traffic stop to wait for a canine unit to respond or to, you know, have the person step out and start going to consent search and things like that. So whatever you need to accomplish, it can be done. Honestly, it's no bullshit. It can be done rapidly, you know, faster than three minutes. You should be able to, when you get your skill down, develop a lot of reasonable suspicion enough where you can articulate it in your report. Don't forget, it's not the days of less is more are over. You need to document every single thing because the only thing that's being challenged in court on these things and even some of these talented interdiction guys that we see in Rodriguez, we know the guy's an interdiction guy. You can read what he was stopping the car for. The only downfall to this was there was a failure to document enough reasonable suspicion because the last probably 113 traffic stops he did, they flew. But then you get that attorney who knows how to play this game and shows up. But we want that attorney to read that report back at their office and say, this dude, this woman, damn, she's good. She's got it all. How are we going to challenge this? They've documented 26 pieces of reasonable suspicion that they can show on a body camera or they're actually advocating it as they're speaking on their on their MVR. They've written it in the report. All these things that they picked up on. And we put up a post recently about some pretty significant seizures. And the person who wishes to remain anonymous um, was nice enough to put up what he wrote in his report. 
and how he documented all the reasonable suspicion. So we're trying to do our best. This is one thing that we know if we can get everybody to understand how it works, you can develop it swiftly and stuff will not be lost. It will not be suppressed. You will not be challenged because you are actually documenting exactly what the courts want to see you document. It's the vague documentation that will hurt police officers in today's modern day policing. This is not 1986 where you can write a fucking four line report and think that shit's going to fly. Your reports on traffic stops where you have drug seizures should be two pages long. They, you know, unless it unfolds in some uh, search incident to arrest, that's simple. But when you start getting into reasonable suspicion, you know, you have a warrant that's easy, but reasonable suspicion, calling for dogs, this, that, extending the stop. It's gotta, it's gotta match it up. It's gotta, if you handed me a piece of paper and it was, uh, you know, three paragraphs and you seize a significant amount of narcotics or weapons, uh, you know, you're. it's the time when you go to court to explain that if you're going off a consent search or a canine hit, uh, you know, you're going to set yourself up for disappointment to, to be to be slaughtered on the suppression stand. They're going to they're going to eat you for breakfast. So I know that a lot of you are here to learn this craft because, listen, nobody took this job to go out. And, and and do things they didn't see themselves doing in their career. We all took this job with the intention of learning the skills to go out and be an effective police officer. It's very rewarding. It's very addictive, and it's very rewarding because the dopamine high of doing something, feeling like you have had impact in the world, and don't think you have it. You have. I've had people advocate to me. I don't know why you care so much. Oh, this guy, well, a fucking hero over here. You know what? Though it was very satisfying for me, and you know what? It, it did make impact on some people's lives. To what degree? Who knows? We could start going through the thousand plus arrests that I've had of, you know, who knows what what impact it's had. You can't measure that. But I can assure you that it has more significant impact than sitting in a parking lot and playing Angry Birds for two hours waiting for your next service call. And look, it's not for everybody. This is not for everybody. This kind of work is not for everybody. And I again, I want to just reemphasize to everybody that I understand if you work in a place that sucks and they are not supportive of your proactive work. You cannot do police work unless you have administration supporting it. There's just no way you can. It's impossible. So as I say to you all the time, you must conform or you or you leave. You have a choice. You can conform and do what they want you to do, or then you, or, or you can leave and go somewhere where you're a better fit. Um, we're tr we really are trying to help everybody understand this craft because we feel like you, we're your big brothers. Uh, we're, your, we're your brothers. And we want to give you everything that we know so you can have the same kind of success that we've all had. Um, and bridging this gap of case law, it's an important thing to do. So hopefully you guys take this information that we're giving out in this group nonstop. Welcome all the group members too, by the way. Uh, and, and use it to the best of your ability. You know, get to class. We don't put training products out because they stink. We don't have people raving and ranting about all the shit that we do because they're crappy products. We don't do bullshit PowerPoint like, Next up, and you have to imagine what those five words on the screen mean. We're really giving practical information. It's why it's why I'm so passionate about it because I've realized something is not right here. Something's not getting communicated. Why are we shortchanging cops on the training they receive? You literally think about it. What did you learn in the academy that set you up to apprehend criminals? Think about that. What did you learn in the academy that gave you the ability to be an effective police officer? Or how about this one? What in field training? And for the 15% of you that had good field training officers, this doesn't apply to you, but what in field training gave you the ability to go out and perform well as a police officer? What in agency annual training gave you the ability to go out and perform efficiently as a police officer? So we're being shortchanged in training. And that's where we said, enough, we're not doing that. And by the way, there, there are other good companies out there. There are other companies that are giving great training. Uh, we've partnered with a lot of them because 
we understand that we're all here on the same collective effort to try to give you guys the shit that you need to do this job properly. So, you know, come in here with an open heart, uh, an open mind, and understand that our goals and our intentions are proper and they're genuine. They come from our souls uh, it's because we want to see all of you do well. With that being said, guys, uh, just invite some people to the group who are law enforcement officers. And we are doing webinars. Uh, if you want to sign up for one, you get to come to class for free when we return to your area or when we come to your area for the first time. You could do that in two or three years to get a refresher. So you sign up for the webinar. Uh, yeah, you got to pay for those. Uh, other stuff in the group, obviously free. I want to do a webinar in the group, a free one, a full like four or five hour webinar. It's just hard to find the time. We got a lot going on here. Conference being planned. Conference is going to be sick, but to release the the schedule, we're doing our final final polishing on it. We can see the whole lineup. It's fucking nuts. Uh, with that being said, streetcoptraining.com if you want to sign up. If you need anything, PM me. Um, I'm always here to help everybody, and people who know me know that that's very genuine and true. And now it's time to go.